Councilmember Mike Calhoun said starting the search in-house would be a chance to try something new. And I don't want this to sound like it probably is going to sound. We did this in 2019, we did this in 2020, and now we're doing this again in 2023. It hasn't really worked out that great yet. The city council also said it would save them money to start the search within its own human resources department. After 30 days, if it still hasn't found candidates, it may reconsider contracting with outsider recruiters. At the meeting, council members underscored the importance of finding candidates with experience in Alaska who might be willing to stick around for a few years. Mayor Sue McClure says it would also be important to find a candidate who could hit the ground running. We hope to find someone that will continue with the projects, leading up the projects that we've got going. We've got a lot going right now. She says the city is working on building a new public works building and potentially selling its electric utility, for example. In the interim, the city council tapped Harbormaster Norm Regis to fill in again, like he's done during previous searches. He'll start when Bauer leaves in May and fill in for up to six months. McClure says they hope to get a city manager in that time. So we've got a really good council right now and a good assistant city manager and a good acting city manager. And I think we're in good shape. Uh, We just have to go through this again. (laughs) Council members say one factor that could make the job more desirable is access to better housing amid big housing shortages in the city. Next week, voters will decide whether to change the residency requirement for the position to make it possible for the city manager to live just outside Seward city limits. And that wraps up this morning's news for this Wednesday, April 26th. Tune in for this morning's coffee table. Brush up on your bird calls and flock up for the 31st annual Katamak Bay Shorebird Festival. Guests from the Center for Alaskan Coastal Studies and Alaska Maritime National Wildlife Refuge join host Kathleen Gustafson from 9 to 10 a.m. here on listener-supported public radio. And a heads up for our listeners traveling the Seward Highway. The Alaska Department of Transportation announced the Seward Highway will be closed for blasting operations through May 25th from 9 to approximately 10 a.m. That's from mile marker 17 to 22.5 Monday through Thursday. Drivers should expect pilot car operations daily from Monday to Saturday. Crews are also working on Victor Creek Bridge. Traffic will detour over a temporary bridge for now. And drivers should expect nightly single-lane closures throughout the summer. For more information, call the Alaska Traveler Information Line at 511 or check out the interactive route map at 511.alaska.gov. The time is 8.58 a.m. You are tuned in to KBBI in Homer on AM 890 and translator K201AO in Seward on 88.1 FM. Stay tuned. Bushlands are up next, followed by the coffee table.
Taking a look at the bush lines now, there are no bush lines proper. On the lost and found, found a box that fell off a trailer behind a white van between Homer and Anchor Point Sunday night. Call 907-738-1188 to identify and claim. Again, that number is 907-738-1188. On the ride lines, a ride is needed from the Anchorage Airport to Homer Thursday, April the 27th at 9.30 p.m., they have some luggage and a small dog in a kennel. We'll share the usuals. Call 616-264-7305. Bush lines and information lines can be heard weekdays at 9 a.m. and 1 and 7 p.m. and on weekends at 10 a.m. and 1 and 7 p.m. To add or remove anything, call 907-235-7721, extension 229. The time is 9 a.m. You are listening to KBBI in Homer on AM 890 and in Seward on 88.1 FM. Coffee Table is coming up next. Good morning. are tuned to K201AO Seward 88.1 FM and KBBI Homer AM 890. Welcome to the coffee table. The time is 9.02 AM. I'm Kathleen Gustafson and the 31st annual Shorebird Festival is the topic and there's plenty of fun and games ahead for the next hour. First let's meet Melanie Dufour. From the Friends of the Alaska National, no, yes, Alaska uh, National Wildlife, Wildlife Refuge. Refuge, not Maritime. No. Okay, so the Friends are the nonprofit that supports all 16 wildlife refuges in Alaska, and they are the co-sponsor of the Kachemak Bay Shorebird Festival in partnership with Alaska Maritime National Wildlife Refuge Visitor Center. Thank you. That's Melanie Dufour. I'll bet I've I'll bet I've interviewed you fifty times in the last twenty years. Uh, it's so nice to see you. But you have a different hat on this time, so it's or at yes. least I just learned yes. about this. Yes. Uh, Laura Holler. Yes. Alaska Maritime National Wildlife yes. Refuge. I'm the visitor center manager at Alaska Maritime, and so I help um, organize a lot of the programs and volunteers for the Shorebird Festival. Thanks so much for being here. And, of course, Beth Trowbridge. 
for the Center for Alaskan Coastal Studies. Some yeah. things do not change. That's right. <laughs> and, I, uh, and I've been uh, mainly involved in the junior birder program and the teen birder. I mean, that's, that's my big passion, and that's what I've been uh, partnering with the Fish and Wildlife Service and um, the Research Reserve folks in the Pratt Museum to bring that program to the Shorebird Festival. Well, thank you all three for being here. Uh, let's start. I would like to hear about who's coming. Like, who's the festival artist? Who's the keynote speaker? Who wants to introduce the festival artist? I will. We have Maddie Squire is our festival artist this year, and she is in, an Alaskan, coming down from Fairbanks. She's a, also a, she's an artist and a scientist and an instructor. She will be holding a workshop during the festival, um, and she's excited to come. She's a young mom as well and bringing her little one with her, so... Lots of people will be able to relate. Well, I should tell people, I forgot to mention, that that's not this weekend. You guys still have plenty of time to register for the Shorebird yes, Festival. Yes, we have Because it's next week in May 3rd through the 7th. Correct. So we have Maddie Squire, who can introduce or talk a little bit about Diego Calderon Franco, the keynote speaker. Back to you, Melody? Sure. Diego is unique and amazing. Um, he is coming to Homer, Alaska, all the way from Medellin, Colombia. And he um, he has a film, called, and he's a renowned bird guide now, but he has a film called Birding with Fark, F-A-R-C. And when Fark was invading Colombia, essentially, and capturing people, he was captured and connected with his captors via birds and survived and just really exemplifies how birding and nature connect us all and so it'll be really his stories like no other wow well let's go with featured author julia zarankin Zaran good job thank yes. you yes and she has a, a, another connection story um, and her books, just so you know, if you want to read her book before she gets here, her books are at the Homer Bookstore right now. Oh, you now. know I do. Yes, and she'll autograph it for, for you when she comes, and we will have them available on site as well. And her book is A Diary of an Unintentional Birder. Um, during COVID, she w got disconnected from a lot of things, including separated from her husband and just was in kind of a not her best place and so birding brought her back to her friends and her now husband and she's like i'm a birder now and i think that that's something that a lot of people can relate to that you know nature's there for us all the time and so she'll be talking about that and she'll have an informal chat time so if you have any kind of question for her she'll be doing that and both she and diego will be doing um presentations at the Mariner Theater on Saturday night. So back to kind of, and that's, we're back to that this year after four years. So. Wonderful. So listeners, if you have any questions or contributions to this conversation, you can always call KBBI at 907-235-7721, or you could email Kathleen at kbbi.org. Now it's time, we're gonna, about to get to all the amazing things that are happening. We're going to go through and highlight. I ask each of you to highlight some of the things that are going to be happening over the, uh, over the five days. Is that really five? Mm -hmm. Four days. Um, but first, here's your first bird Hooray. call. 
Here's your first bird call to identify. And I just want listeners to know, if you have a bird call in you. We want to hear it. We want to hear it. They can practice for the bird calling contest. That's Saturday. Yes. Thank you very much. So first, let me just tell you that this is a small, oblong-shaped seabird, breeding plumage of mottled brown, uh-huh. often shows golden tint, non-breeding plumage dark gray above and white below, nests in crevices and rocky scree slopes, particularly around glaciers, forages and coastal glacier outflows, and as a, let's, let's just go for it, because it is also the spokes model for this shorebird festival. Stand by, here it comes. All right, panel, what do we have there? Go for it. Kitslets. Um, Kitslets mirror. <clears throat> Thank goodness yeah. for the clues, because a lot of those <laughs> seabirds sound the same. Well, <laughs> one of the reasons why I'm giving clues is because I want to make sure people know that the Shorebird Festival website and packet has a lot of amazing information. Mm-hmm. You're going to get, like, if you're thinking, I'll never, I'll get out there and I'll just, you know, I'll, ne- I'll just be wet and cold and I won't know anything. There's a lot of information that you can just carry along with you. Yeah. Not to mention, you know, all kinds of cards for identifying field, field guides, guides, phone apps. There's all kinds of great stuff to help you identify birds. But first, there will be five more if we can get to all of them. <laughs> but that was the Kitlet's Murlet, not quite endangered, but almost about ready to be on the endangered list. They're but, tough to see. But we definitely have them here, and they'll be around, we hope, for Shorebird. And it was festival artist Maddie Squire's poster bird. You'll see if you want to know what that one looks mm-hmm. like. It's amazing art this year. So let's get to what's on the program. Can we, I mean, the bird call contest, is that Saturday? Yes. Saturday, oh, Saturday afternoon. Registration starts at 3.30 p.m. And it's for all ages and all bird colors. No professional bird colors are invited. What? <laughs> <laughs> They can, you know. They can try. They can come around. Yes, yes. And, but let's start with Wednesday, May 3rd. First of all, who's going to tell me where's festival headquarters? Is there... Festival headquarters, is it? Alaska Maritime National Wildlife Refuge, the Islands and Ocean Visitor Center. So 95 Sterling Highway across from the gas station. And we'll have uh, the registration table in there, the volunteer check-in. We'll have some partner organizations in there with some items. And even some of the talks and games and junior birder things will be happening there. Great. Now, I want to lay something out first before we start listing off events. Some of these events do have a pretty steep... Uh, registration fee, but there are also, first let's talk about free things to do because that's the way in. That's how you get my $100 for the shorebird photography on Anchor Point Beach, which sounds amazing. Yes. But first let's start with what's free. There is a lot that's free. Um, There is a festival registration fee, $20 for an adult and $5 for each family member up to five people so wow has that gone down i don't the know same? it's been okay. that yeah. as far as i as long as i've worked with the festival and so it's really reasonable that's what essentially 
allows us to have free things. And there are there's a huge list of free things from talks um, to workshops to drawing to talking to Gertie the Crow from the Bird TLC what? gets to come down <laughs> again. They're coming down and they're bringing Gertie. And one of the free talks is by Douglas Wacker, a professor in Fairbanks. And he's going to talk about the linguistics of crows. So what's that bird outside your window saying? And, you know, you how, I know I talk to him in the Safeway parking lot. And sometimes they yell back at me and now I'll know what they're saying. That's, there's so many free things. Well, one thing that's free on Wednesday, May 3rd, is the Junior Birder Scavenger Hunt and Adventure. Is that you from Center for Alaska Coastal Studies, Beth? Well, I mean, I can talk about it, but it's, um, yeah, it's just part of the Junior Birder program. And we do kick off on Wednesday with the Junior Birders with um, that as well as a family uh, walk at Mud Bay. And I was going to say that a lot of the family walks and the viewing stations are free as well. Um, <clears throat> and most of the junior birder programs are free. But they, we do ask that people register because some of them have capacity limits. So right. um, that's another reason to register, even if it's a free event. Yes. And if there's a change, we can let you know if you're registered. And if you go to the Shorebird Festival website, easy to get to, you can see that there are there are places to register. Also, there's some that, uh, yeah, there's no limit on people who can go on the Mud Bay Family Walk like you were just right. talking about, but just let them know you're coming. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the scavenger hunt will be, it's open to every, it's a junior birder event, but anybody can come and do it. And so there'll be, um, yeah, different birds to find throughout the visitor center and on the trail down to um, the slough, and it'll just be really fun. And when, well, first, the next thing I want to talk about, since we're talking about registration, free events, paid events, uh, let's dive right into the scholarships. The scholarships are pretty limited. Um, there is a scholarship that's offered by the Shantz Brothers Foundation to bring someone to Alaska. Um, and the scholarships, there is one scholarship for the fat bike, the teen birder fat bike op opportunity. And so if you have a teen that's interested in that, then that's something that we can help you with. Great. Now, when is, let's get to Thursday. Who's got something on their list? There's Lake Clark National Park bear and bird viewing. <coughs> and those filled up fast. Oh, is it? It's yes. on Wednesday. Is it already? Yes, is it already? Registration opened at 11 a.m. and it was full at 11.20, all five of his days. Wow. But all I right. should say, let you know that Mel has passed on and Deb, his bird, guide. Um, if you are a local and you would like to go on his trip at the same cost as Shorebird to get in touch with him and for local Homer folks then you can um, go at the price that he charges during Shorebird Festival and that's um, Mel Erickson with Game Fish Hunters. Oh yeah there's there's yeah so if you go to the Shorebird Festival website you're going to be able to see who has openings and where you can yeah, get in on yeah. on yeah. some of the activities. When does the keynote address happen? The keynote speaker, Diego Calderon Franco, will be at the Mariner Theater. And when is that? That is on Saturday. Mm -hmm. I believe it's at 7 p.m. Yeah. Um, at the Homer High School Theater there. And yeah, he'll be talking about his story, um, the film, there's questions and answers, so all kinds of good stuff at that. And that's $10, and we do ask that you pre-register uh, to make sure you have a seat. 
Right, because there are only 500 seats, and you know there are more than 500 birders just in this town. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Not to, mention, not to mention, are you getting a lot of visitors from outside? Oh, yeah. For sure. Yeah, this last month, I know at the visitor center, we've had a, a big increase in people from all across uh, the United States. Even though it's still snowing here, we have had an increase in visitors. So I want to back up to Friday because there's an owl box building workshop. <laughs> is that you, Laura? Is that the wildlife refuge? Uh, it's it is at the the refuge visitor center, um, but it's for juniors or teens. I can't remember which ones. Teens is there. The we owl. go. Teens. Well, yeah. So teens and so both the junior birders and then the teen birders are doing the owl, can do the owl building. Uh, well, one of them is doing the owls and one of them is doing the swallows. And I believe that the um, Teens are doing the owls, and yep. the junior birders are doing the swallows. And they're nice. both really awesome to yeah. have in your yard. I have both of them, and it was. And do you get owls? I have gotten an owl. Yes, a sowet, and has come back a few years. I haven't seen it this spring. Swallows definitely utilize the boxes, and we actually, when my son was young, put it on his climber swing thing, and so we could. We'd see them go in, and we could open the top and peek in at the little chicks and the eggs and the nest. It was really cool. It's really a great way to, like, know who's in your neighborhood. So just to let you know, there is a limit to 20 boxes. So if you want to get in on that, Mm -hmm. go to, is it Catchamac Shorebird? CatchamacShorebird.org. And click on online registration and there is registration but that one is very affordable it's $15 a box and we give you all and that just covers the the materials that you know we had for the box and well well, you don't have to know how to build boxes in order to come we'll help you so Mm -hmm. and what about the festival kickoff at the Pratt looks like there's a party at the Pratt exactly May 5th that's Friday from 4 to 6 p.m. anybody can come it's free to attend Mm -hmm. and that's where there'll be bird art there will, be, there will be bird posters. I'm not Marilyn Sigmund, who's working with um, Center for Alaskan Coastal Studies and the Alaska Maritime Refuge, and just gathering all kinds of bird information posters that are beautiful because birds are beautiful, and they're going to have um, some snacks, and they're possibly going to have um, a drawing bird drawing um, table for kids and just to get people back in there and you know the Pratt's such a great asset for our community and they're excited to be involved and let people know their doors are open and they want to know what you want to know and of course check out the gull island camera yeah it hopefully yeah and that's a cool thing it's set up in there if you haven't ever not everybody can get to gull island but everybody can take a peek at gull island in at the pratt with their bird cam and you can control it within the island within you control the camera as to what you're looking at on the island and the bird cool. art, um, so Coastal Studies will have a little kickoff. Um, on Thursday. <coughs> yeah, reception oh. on Thursday and from 5 to 7. And we'll be showing Nina Faust's film, uh, For the Love of Cranes, which highlights all the different uh, crane art that's around Homer and how much you know the cranes are part of kind of who we are <laughs> and uh, in our world. So we, so we have developed, or Marilyn um, has developed a scavenger hunt, basically, for uh, crane art around town and so if you come to that and the um the list will also be at the visitor center at the refuge table so you can either get it there or get it at coastal studies and it and it takes you around um homer and 
has you try to find all the different crane art in different places. And then you also will get uh, a chance to win, or we'll do a drawing for one of Brittany Sakanik's uh, crane dancing um, Paint. paintings yeah. that we have. So, so we're going to get back to that. But just so, so you know, Jimmy's on the phones. Oh. Oh. And if you've got a bird call, we want to hear it. Or any questions or comments or anything you'd like to say, call in 235-7721. It is time for bird call number two. <laughs> this is a very dramatic bird. A large, bulky shorebird, dark overall with a thick red bill, a yellow eye, and thick, light pink legs, exclusively coastal. It's all shorebird, all through and through. Listen for loud yelps and whistles, often in a rapid series, when excited. Here they go. They're so cute. Yes. <sighs> All right, panel. Who is that? Go ahead, Laura. Black oyster catcher. That is the black oyster. It's a great bird to see. <laughs> so fun. Their, Good their description. bill call is amazing. Or their bill, just that bright red call, is just amazing. And pretty easy to spot yes. because it's so distinctive. You know, sometimes when you get with the murelets or there are all kinds of different... All little brown birds running all, around. All you have no idea what it is. Out there. That one's easy. That one is very easy. Yes. yes. And so, so yeah. fun to see. You'll get that one added to your list. <laughs> it's almost a lock. So I do want to come back to, though, uh, anything else that is on the program that you want to highlight, because I want to get into, I'm about to get into junior birder stuff. For I want just to go back to art for a minute. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, th I want to thank all the community artists of all ages, from preschool through renowned artists that can sell their work anywhere, and people look forward to it. We've got community six by six art, and a lot that along with Maddie's original will be on display for the first starting next week and there's a first friday event at 59 north creations on the spit where all of that art will be um live and visible and it thought there's an online auction for all that art along with some other community donations for fun things and bird feeders and um, brand new binoculars that are waterproof and all of that is online and if you um Go to our page. You can find that link to the Catch Mac Shorebird page, or you can give me a call or email catchmacshorebird at gmail, and I'll send you that link so you can hop on and make your bid. And I have to say, um, for people that know Sand Sandra Hudson and her wonderful mittens that she's made, even though she's not in Homer anymore, she sent some mittens, and that's <laughs> included in the auction. I want to know more about the mittens, but I'll ask in a minute. You do. Everybody wants her mittens. Her mittens oh, the amazing. mittens are high in demand, are they? Yeah, I gotcha. So next, before we move on, there is a question. Marlene wants to know, if I were to arrive for the festival from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, what outerwear should I pack? So what are you wearing? Oh, let's let Laura take this outer. one. I recognize uh, some names here. Yeah, I recognize that name, too. Who was it? <laughs> Uh, it's my mom. Oh. Uh, she's messaging because birding in is from a family Pittsburgh. pursuit. Yes. Um, so yes, listeners from all across the country, um, you definitely want to have some muck boots. Um, it's still muddy here. Um, I'm going to head out on Calvin and Coyle Trail today, and I'm, I'm thinking I may need my ice cleats still because it's in the shade. Definitely um, some cold winter wear and uh, rain jackets um, because we never know what the weather is going to be, and especially with the wind. 
Layers. Layers. Yes, layers. And bring extra socks as well. So while we're on this subject, let's. who's going to explain birdability to me? What's birdability and what does it mean for this festival? Birdability is a national organization that um, essentially says that birding is for everybody and for every body. And it's important to have that, like we've talked about the connection to nature, and it's there for all of us, no matter your age, your mobility, um, accessibility, your everything, anything that, any difference that you have, birds are still there for you. And I've learned so much about it, and our guides are, um, all the tour guides are aware of that, and just want you to know, we want you to know that if you have any concerns about your capability on a tour, as far as, I can't quite hear you, so make sure I can see your mouth, I can't quite see you, so make sure that, you know, you let me know who you are, feel free to speak up and just say, hey, can, I might need some help. And how accessible is the trail down on Bish around Bishop's Beach? Is it pretty accessible? So, or is um, it the most accessible trail? It, it's fairly accessible depending on everyone's ability. So um, the hill, it's a gradual hill, but you could also drive down right, to where the picnic table is yeah. near Two Sisters and whatnot. Um, and that's nice and flat with that boardwalk and the gravel trail. All right, so I am going to fire the next bird call. Get ready because this is a stocky and large-headed bird with a shaggy crest. The bill is long, straight, thick, and pointed, powder blue with white. I really thought that said with white underpants, but it says <laughs> underparts. Powder blue with white underparts and a blue breastband. Females have an additional rusty band across the belly. Uh, but here's here's all you need to know. It hunts for fish by plunging headfirst into the water, either directly from a perch or just from hovering in the air. I hope somebody gets to see that. But here it comes. Okay, panel, who's going to take this one? It's our belted kingfisher. Um, they are down sometimes near Beluga Lake, and I know they see them over in Sedlovia as well, and sometimes up at the um, reservoir. Yep. Yeah. yeah, and I was going to say that uh, the viewing platform down at Beluga Lake that you access from by the airport and go down the stairs, we often see them down there when we're viewing. So that's Ooh, a great tip. place to maybe, yeah. yeah. Because just to see that, once you see them hovering in the air and then going down, mm -hmm. I just love them. Anyway. So, but that brings us to some, let's talk some junior birder stuff. Uh, ex I, I wish I didn't, I wish I had loaded up a murlet call, but I <laughs> forgot to. But you have Murray the murlet. <laughs> so, first of all, what is what constitutes a junior birder? What's the age range? Go ahead. Beth. All right. So, the junior birder program is... Um, we do, we developed it. It's a partnership program that um, was developed just to get kids and families um, out and, in, and into birding and, and experiencing um, learning birding and doing it as a family um, and youth event. So the ages for the junior birder are 5 to 12. And um, we added last year a new program, the team birder program. So because we have birders that fledge after seven years of, in the junior birder program. Plus you've grown a community mm -hmm. of junior birders in this town. That's right. And um, and then so we added a teen birder program um, just for those older uh, 
13 to 18 year olds that still want to be doing some fun things and um, and birding. But the Junior Birder Program, you, you come to um, the visitor center, you, you sign up as a first year birder and you get a packet and it has a list of um, different things that you need to do in order to earn your Junior Birder badge at the end of the weekend. And then um, if you, it's a seven year program and it builds on itself. Um, over the years. So if you're a first-year birder, you get a, you get a packet, and then you, t you do all your activities. You turn it in on Sunday. We have an awards ceremony. You get um, a badge and some prizes for finishing it. There and are prizes? There are prizes, <laughs> fabulous prizes. And yes, and then, um, and then the next year, when you come back as a second year, you actually get a, a notebook that then is filled with um, the, the requirements for that for that year. And turn that in, and then the next year, third year. So by the time you're a seventh-year birder, uh, junior birder, and you're fledging, you have this notebook that has all you know, all your drawings and your activities and your, you know, things that you learned from uh, for s over the seven years. It's pretty, it's, it's a great um, thing to, uh, yeah, to, to have at the end. And um, there's all kinds of activities that, there are some that are required for junior birders, especially first-year birders, like the Discovery Lab for the junior birders on Saturday. But um, but a lot of it is just getting getting out with your family. There's lots of family things to do. There's family walks. There's a lot of independent things to do. There there are workshops, special workshops. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. So um, and the other thing that I just wanted to say before that is with the junior birder lab on a Saturday. Bef prior to that, there's an adult birder lab. We found that Ooh, um, when we used to do the junior birder labs, lots of adults would come in and say, I wish I could and do this. all of us want to be in on it. Yeah. <laughs> so from 10 to 11 on that Saturday, adults can come in and basically we have one of the tables is about, you know, gear, what you wear when you're birding, what kind of gear do you need? But there's, you know, um, sound and um, identifying birds and that sort of thing. So adults come in from 10 to 11 and then the junior birders come in from um, 1130 to 130. Well, we're going to get to birding ethics here in a minute, but let's start off the birding ethics conversation with the Bark Rangers. Yes. So who and what are the Bark Rangers? That's B-A-R-K. Yes, we started this program for Alaska Maritime over the last uh, year or so, and we're just starting to get it going. And, you know, we have people that come into the visitor center and they want to become junior rangers and learn about the refuge and the visitor center and they complete a booklet. Well, this is for parents and their dog, um, parents of any age that uh, can come and want to, you know, take their dog for a walk and what you should do or not do when you're on public lands with your dog, how to behave. So keeping your dog on a leash. And so uh, we have a couple walks happening um, throughout the festival that you should register for with your well-socialized pup on a leash to learn about what to do. And you do earn a little badge, a little dangly badge that says Bark at Alaska Maritime National Wildlife Refuge. Oh, wonderful. So I have a list here. I just want to continue to direct people to catchemacshorebird.org because on that website, there is a terrific list of wildlife birding ethics. Yes. How, it's just, and it's, they're good reminders for anybody, no matter how often you've been out there. So would anybody like to go through some of this? You've got this, I've Laura. I've got this one. So wildlife comes first. Can I just first. say before that? Oh, go ahead, Mel. go through that as far as, and dogs, thinking, while well, dogs are on our mind, 
this is the time to especially keep your dog on a leash. The birds are migrating and they will be nesting and it's not a, a dog's curious and interested and wants to see what's going on and that's not that's very disruptive for the birds. So please be sure to keep your dog on a leash. Especially, I mean, all the time. But yeah. there, there are going to be crane colts around yes. here before yes. long. Yes. yes. And what happens is when you flush these birds, they're burning calories that they were saving yeah. for migration. Yes. So, for you know, babies. some of these birds can put on half their body weight in a day. But if they're what? being flushed all over the place, um, you know, not only by predators, which is natural, but by constant dogs up and down the trail or whatnot they're burning those calories when they need them to still be able to make it up to the arctic or wherever they might be going also if you're constantly getting them in distress it yes. really affects their health doesn't yes. it mm -hmm. yep that was just one of the things i've been doing my reading and following all kinds of links yeah. and things <laughs> on the shorebird website the other thing that i found when i was collecting these uh when i was collecting these bird calls is that birds have regional accents, don't they? They do. They do. <laughs> yes. If you listen to your song sparrow, we had a song sparrow just as I came in, and that song sparrow compared to California from the east or east coast, they all sound differently. So I know for me, just moving up here a couple of years ago, I totally did not recognize the song sparrow because it's it's a different accent, just like we as people have different accents. That's when I was choosing bird calls, mm -hmm. I'm like, that's not the oyster catcher, mm -hmm. or uh, because, yeah. and then I looked at it. Oh, recorded in upstate New York. Yeah. You know, and I thought, oh, these birds have accents. That's yes. a New York accent. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I do want to, uh, we're going to get to the next bird call soon, but it's a gimme. In fact, let's just do it. I'm not even going to read the description no because all of you know this. I've got a minute's worth. I'm just going to let it fl fly with a unison call. <laughs> Everybody knows that sound. Everyone in Homer should know that sound. Yes, and so anticipated. Best early spring sound. Yes. So this is a good time to tell people while that, what, what was that again? What bird is that? Sandhill Sand Crane. Crane. Thank you, Sandhill <laughs> Crane. This is a good time to tell everybody. I want to I focus on Shorebird Festival. But right now, let me just tell you, if you hear that sound, if you see those birds, then call catch them at crane watch yes uh it's uh, 235 mama, mama. Yeah. right and <laughs> uh and also reports at cranewatch.org yeah. oh jimmy just texted me chatted me on the gmail he's working the phones but he heard that sandhill crane <laughs> or those sandhill cranes doing their unison call yeah i mean the other night when we were counting birds for the shorebird um count we had a good hundred cranes down in beluga slough so they are around oh yeah I, we can hear them from downtown we even have a little townie pair on yes. bonanza <laughs> avenue where i live but if you would if anyone is interested let's let's talk a little bit about birding ethics you don't have to read the whole thing because i do want because it's very accessible to people on your website but what are some of the things you want to get people ready in terms of so, ethics of birding. Yeah, so starting off with wildlife comes first. Um, keeping the birds, you know, not disturbing them. So when you're out going for a walk or walking on the beach or going on the slough trail, um, letting them do their thing. So not harassing them, not chasing them, keeping your dog on a leash. Um, we want to give them a chance to refuel, refeed, um, or when they do have a nest, um, keep those nests and babies safe. 
And anything else? Uh, next one would be respect others and practice safety. So a lot of us are going to be starting to be out on the trails and we're all there for different reasons. Some of us there to bird, some of us just to take in nature, um, socialize with friends, but just be respectful of each other and the other wildlife that's around there. We all, um, you know, some is private property, some is public property. So just be aware and um, be kind to not only the wildlife, but each other out on the trails. And I want to highlight uh, the conservation rules or the recommendations, things like things like carpool when you can. Yes. Are there is there any sort of central uh, hub for people to organize transportation? Um, for some of ours, or at least one of them this year, we do have a bus for one of the hot spots one. Uh, but yes, a lot of people do come together if they're going um, as a family group or as friends on some of the the walks, talks, rides, et cetera. Um, and the Islands and Ocean Visitor Center is a good place it's to meet up. We have a nice, lot. big parking lot. Excellent. Now, this is true every time you go out there, but always good to remind people, you're going to get so excited. You're not even going to be looking around. You're going to be looking through scopes and binoculars. Remember to stay on the road, on the trail, on the path. Yes. Because, uh, well, right now, is anybody nesting on the ground right now? Probably not, Probably not quite yet. But that's will be. It's Soon. really a Soon. concern yep. if you're out there. Yes. And, of course, everything you bring in, you bring out. Yep. Yeah. Pack it in, pack it out. So we just did a cleanup at Beluga Slough, and many other organizations around town have done a pack up, a cleanup as well. So take out your trash. Wonderful. Now, I want to open it up. Uh, thank you. That is Laura Holler from the Alaska Maritime Wildlife Refuge. Also, Melanie DeFour from, oh, let me get it. I'm going to say it right this time. Friends of Alaska National Wildlife Refuge. And Beth Trowbridge from the Center for Alaskan Coastal Studies. We're about, we're over halfway through this thing. Longest names in the world. And I want to make sure that I haven't, is there anything you want to add to birding ethics or people getting ready to come, the things they need to do to prepare because I want to get back to what kind of events and things are happening. Well, Kathleen sounds like she's been doing her studying, but the one thing that I want to add to that, there's not a dumb question and don't hesitate to ask. If you're on the spit and you're looking at birds and there's people around you that might know more you, or you don't, you guess they might ask and be and that person that's asked, feel free to say, I don't know, let's look it up. Let's go to some of the resources and find out. And we will have um, some volunteers at the viewing stations to help you answer your questions. Oh, good. Yes. I was going to ask about that. Yes. And so there'll be people there. And there's viewing station times that there will be volunteers there listed in the program. There are still paper programs all around town, um, at the chamber, at the museum, at many coffee shops and definitely at the Alaska Maritime Visitor Center. Um, and pick it, sometimes it's good to have a piece of paper to look at too and kind of circle when you want to go or what you want to do or look online. We have that all there. So if you're apprehensive and you want to see birds but you know nothing, dropping in at the viewing mm -hmm. stations, Mud Bay and Lighthouse, <clears throat> you'll see people that are working the stations, volunteers, in account. bright orange, and they will have a scope that you can walk up and take a look through, and then you can go, okay, what is that bird, and learn a little bit about birds. You're answering all my questions. Perfect. The next thing on my list was what kind of equipment do you need, and if you don't have spotting and scopes and such, 
Yeah. Spotting spoke, uh, sp- scope is a big investment. So um, dropping in at s- these programs or at the viewing stations, we have the equipment for you. So and if you want to make that investment, um, there will be someone from Zeiss Optics on site at the, um, during the festival, and he can explain a lot and tell you what's available. Because there are lots of different kinds. So you tell yeah. them how you bird yeah. or how you would use it, and they can recommend the right one yeah. for you. And what price range you're interested yeah. in. Yeah. Oh, right. There's a huge oh, range. Yeah. There's some big differences. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to um, add that there are, there are also some family viewing stations mm-hmm. that are listed, and in the family viewing stations, we'll have scopes um, as well, but we'll have them set at child lower, okay. <laughs> children's height, um, so that the um, you know kids can also see the birds. And it's kind of meant it's a time when there will be other families and other kids yeah. around, and so it's really geared towards you know catering to those families and, and the the young people that want a bird. So looking up those uh, every day, there there is a family viewing station. And if you want to get paper binoculars for your little one that they can put together, Captain's Toy Chest donated some of those to our um, online auctions. So along with a little, um, another tool for young explorers. So take a look at those. Excellent. Now, the next thing I'm going to be coming at you is I'm going to ask each of you to highlight something that's going to be happening. And I'm going to be asking about wingspan. So that'll be you, Laura. Okay. But first, here's a tough one. I think. (laughs) This is a small bird with a relatively long, droopy bill. It's longer on females. In breeding plumage, it shows a rich rufous tone. Is that red? Yes. Yes. Okay. (laughs) Rich rufous tones on shoulders, cheeks, and crown. Non-breeding is a plain gray above and white below. Juveniles look pale-faced and have a strip of rufous feathers on the upper edge of the wings. It breeds in the Arctic tundra in Alaska. In migration and winter, it occurs in large flocks on mudflats and beaches, and it's much more common in Western North America. Hey, that's us. (laughs) Uncommon to rare on the East Coast. Here it comes. Here they all come. Now there's a flock of them. They're all over us. And we see these down on Mud Bay. Oh, lots I see. And lots yes. And lots. Absolutely. So, who's going to take that one? I believe this is the Western Sandpiper. Yeah, it is correct. You guys are. Thank goodness for the description. Batting a thousand. <laughs> and, and if you're like me and you don't know your sand, um, your shorebird calls, we do have a class specifically for that. And you can go for a walk and learn about bird calls. Can you tell me when that class is? That I believe I'm going to mark that in my program. Saturday. I'll look it up. Okay. But I'm pretty sure it's on Saturday. With Dave Erickson, one of our local birders. Okay, great. Also, that's the other thing to let people know. If you are at all uh, wondering if you're just going to be lost out there, there is a really large and generous birding community here in Homer. They will help you or leave you alone as you like. (laughs) And I was wrong. It's on Friday from 2 to 4, shore birding by ear. Oh, thank you very much. I'll circle that one in my program. Now... I'm going to ask each of you to highlight something, but can we start with wingspan? Yes. As far as I understand, so it's a, it's a board game and you get to create your own refuge. Yes. You create your own little refuge or preserve. Um, you can have five players. I haven't played by myself. I I like playing with others, um, but you can have up to five people. We're going to have three board games. Um, 
And we are doing that, I believe, Wednesday night um, at the Visitor Center. Um, and it's a competitive board game. You don't really need to know your birds. You just have to like to play board games. Um, you're going to end up collecting birds and points and eggs. And you need to collect food to be able to have your birds on your preserve and your different habitats. Um, and it's a lot of fun. It's ages 14 and up. It's free um, to play. It's free to play. Uh, you... Uh, beginners are totally welcome because this is a game it's really hard to learn on your own um so having people around you that know how to play will have three board games going and right and let your anxiety it. go because exactly. the best way to learn the, uh, any board game is to play it yes yeah and it's you know it shows birds across north america so it'll be a lot of fun so let's well, i'm gonna move down the line and then i'll come back to you because that was a command performance on wingspan <laughs> Uh, Beth Trowbridge from Center for Alaskan Coastal Studies. What would you like to highlight on this? Uh... Well, I of course the Junior Birder Program, um, of and all of the great uh, activities. And uh, the Junior Birder Program does have its own page on the website. So if you're interested in just seeing what it's about or downloading, there's activities, some activities on there, or what is required at each level. That's on that website. But I also wanted to just talk about um, <laughs> our Murray the Murlet or the Flat Stanley. We started this when um, COVID happened and we didn't, you know, we still wanted to do some sort of shorebird festival, but it wasn't happening in person. So each year we've had a bird, um, and this one it's Murray the Murlet because that's the festival bird. And so you'll download um, or get a uh, picture of the murlet and you color it or whatever and put it on a stick take it around with you on all your activities photograph yourself you know doing whatever you're doing with your um with your flat murlet and then we have a place that you can upload photos and it's been really really fun to you know see all those photos and it's just another like we got to get our little murlet out on the trail and get a picture of anyway it's it's a fun thing and and actually it's for junior birders but really anyone can do it what about Melanie Dufour? I just want to let people know how much we appreciate all the community um, involvement. There's some really fun things happening all over with businesses at Grace Ridge Brewing. They will have an oyster catcher stout again this year. At um, Oh, good. We're just about to get to fundraising stuff. Go yeah. ahead. And at um, the cannery, for those people that like to sip and paint, they are this year first time doing that on site there, and you can and if you oh there's a terrific view from there yeah their view can be amazing and so you can paint what you see out the window or you just paint and they're going to provide everything for you um, at Beluga Lake Lodge that's where Gertie and um, her handler will be staying thanks to Gertie's them. Gertie's the crow Gertie's the crow yes. is going to be staying there and you can stop by there because they also have a really great deck for view bird viewing in Beluga Lake um, it's pretty cool how and both our keynote speaker and author will be staying out at Land's End the Homer Ben Breakfast Association is supporting another speaker People in Homer have been just so generous and kind and recognizing this is kind of the kickoff for the summer, which is, um, which is great. And there's a lot of restaurants that are opening in time for it this year that don't usually open quite as early, but recognize how many people come to town and want to eat and enjoy all that we have. So thanks to all those people. And I want to come back to you, Laura Holler. Is there anything that you'd like to highlight? Um, there's so much going on, you know, with the boat cruises, the walks, 
the talks. Um, but don't I, don't don't wait on oh, registering oh, don't for wait. those yeah, because there's they some are things going are full. To, so right. and after this, usually more things get full. So definitely sign up. Um, there's some great beginner walks. Um, I lead some, and uh, my coworkers lead some as well um, on Beluga Slough and on Calvin and Coyle. So not to get out there, shorebirds, not just shorebirds, well. songbirds, and anything we can spot. And I'm seeing something on Friday, May 5th. If you're saying to yourself, you know, I love all the birding and the hiking, but I'm, I'm more, I want to know about the science and I want to know about conservation. I'm looking at, uh, there is a spotlight on the spokesbird uh, on Friday yes. from 2 to 3 p.m. at the refuge. Yes, I have them on Friday and Saturday giving a talk. Rob about Cowler yep. and Liz Lebunsker. Yes, from, from U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Um, and they do a lot of the science behind the birds. So They're going to be talking about melting glaciers. Yes, and, and I know nothing about Kitslet Merlet, so I'm excited to be able to learn more about it. Wonderful. Now, if... You have last call for questions or comments or bird calls. I've got one more to go, but we're gonna hold Somebody off needs just to for call a minute. In with a bird call. Um, well, I always hope that we that people will overcome their shyness and really, because no one we can see, see you. you. Yeah. No one can see you, and you can even give us a pseudonym. Exactly. Right. You don't even have to be you. But let's move. On. I want to depart. We're gonna come back around to registration and all of that. But I want to depart just for a minute to talk about some of the separate fundraising and uh, like the bird art adventure auction mm -hmm. and the crane club. Uh, mm -hmm. Can you start with bird art adventure auction, Melanie? The bird art and adventure auction is online only. Um, it's open now, so you can go to the um, website and go to auction and find that link and take a look, place your bid, um, and you'll be really excited when you see what there is. Um, appreciate that and then the crane club if you just want to donate to the shorebird festival again on the website just go to a crane club and you can donate excuse me any amount um, and it's all needed and all appreciated and if you'd like to be a, another part of the festival the friends of alaska national wildlife refuges is a membership organization a nonprofit. so all the tax deduction aspects and that also will give you um knowledge of all that friends do for all the refuges and volunteer opportunities and there will be a booth at the festival where you can join or make donations throughout because we can't do it without some dollars so i'm going to highlight something which is the bird calling contest we've been talking about it <laughs> if if you've got those bird if even if you don't have any bird calls in you this is a super fun event mm -hmm. i'm really hoping to get there and maybe make some recordings Yes, I but so. only with oh, if you're nervous about such a thing, you can always say, Kathleen, get that thing away from me. Do you want to practice with us and well, make some calls? Well, no, I'm I'm going to record. Oh, them. Okay. I, I think we could have you make a great horned owl call. I can teach you how to do that. Oh my gosh, I'm I'm get, I'm coming back for you. <laughs> so the bird calling contest is at Homer Brewing Company, right there on beautiful Beluga Lake. Yes. Mm -hmm. And it's from 3.30 to 5 p.m. on Saturday. Yep. And it always is a really fun crowd. And you're going you're gonna to laugh and you're going to learn some things and you're going to have some terrific drinkables. What's the name of the beer? Homer Brewing. Oh, the, the, the Oyster Catcher Stout's going to be at Grace Ridge Brewing. Oh, that's at Grace Ridge. Yes, yes. Uh, Homer so Brewing's going to have all their flagships that are... So good. This is Homer Brewing. Mm -hmm. 
down the hill mm-hmm. on Beluga Lake. Yeah. And that's Saturday, 3.35. And for all ages, as long as... If really? Can if kids get in kids on it too? Yeah. Some, we, somebody in this room, <laughs> daughter, won one year. That's uh, right. My daughter, Rebecca. What did she win on? She did um, a hawk, like a red-tailed yeah. hawk or a hawk call and it was very loud and <laughs> and sh- but she practiced it quite a bit and yeah. yeah it was i think she was probably 10 or 11 when she did that yeah. so yeah yeah so before we get too far i do want to do our final bird call this is a gregarious medium-sized waiter with a long slightly uptilted bill Note the very long pink-based bill. Breeding plumage has a bright, rusty head and breast, dark barring on the belly. Non-breeding plumage has a rather plain grayish head, breast, and underparts. And in flight shows a bold white wing stripe, a white rump, and a black tail. Fairly common, but often local, breeds in grassy wetlands. Found year-round in fresh and brackish marshes and on adjacent tidal flats. Feeds mainly by wading in deep water, probing with its long bill. That should absolutely be a star. Here it comes. Stand by. I heard somebody say it. I just whispered it. I wasn't sure. No, your mic is stronger than you think. A godwit. Yes, that is... I was in that category. <laughs> I didn't know which one. Well, this one in particular is the black-tailed goldwing. Okay. Uh-huh. And the, you know what's cool about them, Kathleen? One what? Thing tell, cool. me, tell me a fun fact about the godwing. They are flexible. Yes. What? They, the top of their top beak can kind of open up so they can grab stuff. I mean, they look so stiff, but their beaks... There's a scientific name for that. So but. the tips of the bill. So when you take the bill, you know, it's a long down curved or up curved, up, up, yeah, curved. up curved bill and you see it together. Get into that mic. Into there the chopsticks. Go. And then the tips of it can open wider. So when they probe it in the sand or the mud, they can open that tip up just a little bit. Okay. Eat some barnacles. So thank you all for <laughs> playing my game. And you guys did beautifully. Uh, I, I know the descriptions help. But yes. I want to go around one more time because it's pretty much time for final comments from the panel. So I would like to start with Laura Holler from Alaska Maritime National Wildlife Refuge. You're the refuge manager. The, uh, I'm, no, uh, I'm no, the no, visitor no, center no, the manager. Visitor center manager. <laughs> I'm very sorry. That's okay. <laughs> the visitor center manager and. Is there anything else you'd like to highlight yes. or point to? Go ahead. All of our volunteers. We have 50 plus volunteers that help keep this festival going, whether they're working doors of talks, um, assisting in leading or assisting on walks, just carrying scopes and working um, junior biologists projects and even the viewing stations. They We can't do it without our volunteers and our local presenters and speakers and bird walk leaders. There must be an enormous list of people. There is. There is. So huge thank you to our volunteers. Now, how about Beth Trowbridge from Center for Alaskan Coastal Studies? I I think that, um, aside from the Junior Birder Program, um, Uh that I love to highlight, I I think highlighting the partnerships as well, because Mm -hmm. like if you come to the Discovery Lab, either the adult one or the Junior Birder one, the lab will be filled with people from all, you know, coastal studies, fish and wildlife, 
uh, the research reserve, lots of, and volunteers, there'll be lots of different people there, and I think just knowing that it's such a community and a partnership um, festival and event, that that's, I think that's one of the most exciting things about it, is how everybody comes together and just makes a great, great festival, great events. And Melanie DeFore. I would just uh, um, amplify that by saying birds connect the world and they connect our community. And it's really so thankful to see how much energy, positive energy is put into this. And birds are for everybody. Thanks so much. And one last time, someone make us a general invitation. How and how to register and what that gets you. And who's going to go ahead? Come on to catchmacshorebird.org, and right there in blue, it says register online or online registration. Click on that and read through that landing page. It'll give you instructions, and it has a map, and then you click on get tickets and go from there. And if you have any questions, feel free to email me at catchmacshorebird at gmail or call 907-226-4631, and I'll be happy to help you. And get your muck boots ready. Yes, and your life list. Oh, to explain to anyone who might be new to birding what that is. It's not your life vest. It's your life <laughs> You may list. also need a life you vest. You might, but if you're going on a boat tour, the tour operator will provide it. What bird do you want to see? If it's a robin or if it's a crow or a raven or a, or a sandhill crane or some really mysterious Kitzlitz's merlet, write that down, and you might see it and can check it off. And you'll see what other people have seen at Islands and Ocean Visitors Center. There's a list of all the birds spotted. You made me think of something to point out that I know you could probably, you guys can all probably speak to. Birding can be highly competitive, but it can also be super chill. So if whichever way you like to go with this, I, you're nodding vigorously. <laughs> Laura Howard, do you I want am to a speak big to that? bird nerd. Yes. Um, Are you competitive with your list? I, I used to be. I am not anymore. Okay. Um, yeah, but you know, keeping your list for each state or each county, um, and your even your list for the year. People keep track of that. Um, for and North then have America. big years. And Are big you years. all three life listers? I don't life list. I just love to bird. There <laughs> you go. I, I was going to, can I just go say ahead. that um, this winter, uh, uh, a local, the local birding community updated the Catchamac Bay um, bird list, the big checklist that um, has all the birds. And yeah. so that updated that um, list will be available yeah. And yeah, it's mm-hmm. it tells uh, which birds are here and what seasons you see them, and um, really useful. Yeah, tool. it's very useful. So those well, are free. And you can write on it. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks so much. That was Beth Trowbridge from the Center for Alaskan Coastal Studies, Laura Howler from Alaska Maritime Wa- National Wildlife Refuge, and Melanie DeFore from Friend the Alaska National Friend Wildlife Refuge. Refuge. Okay. Oh my goodness! Thank you all. For being on the program, on the coffee table, I'm Kathleen Gustafson. Thank you. Go to catchamacshorebird.org and learn all about it. I'll be right back with the tides because, you know, very important to what we're doing here. Also, you guys have all the tides printed in the shorebird. High tides for birds. It's kind of. Is that when? Yeah. High High tide. tide. Thank you.